Whether you play a musical instrument, you sing, or you play even a sport, you know that there's one common element amongst each of those things that ensures success, and it's practice. That we spend all of this time on the side honing in skill, trying to remove weakness, and trying to become stronger. And so we spend a lot of time doing that. Yet there's not really a dictated amount or a dictated amount of effort that we need. That we can spend as much time as we like, maybe a few minutes or several hours. Or maybe we can put in just enough effort to get over the hump. Or maybe we can put in a lot of effort so as to become even greater. That there's really no set definition for this, and yet we practice nonetheless. But what really defines or what really evaluates whenever we practice? I know speaking for myself, it was always my organ instructor that whenever I went and received instruction, she would always have me play through those pieces that she had given me to practice, and it would immediately become evident whether I had spent enough effort or enough time or not, that I would either find myself feeling really good about what happened, or I'd feel myself feeling rather weak and rather famished from what had not happened, whether I had practiced or not. And really, if you think about the grand scale of life, we're often given a lot of different things, that we're entrusted with a lot of gifts from God, our Heavenly Father. That we're given relationships, we're given things, we're given positions, we're given all sorts of opportunities in this life. And yet, so many of them require us to invest or even to practice within them. But the question, whenever we consider all of those things that we've been entrusted with, are we really fostering a growth or a sense of our relationship with God in each of those things? Or are we rather kind of backing away and just kind of considering those things as obstacles to our faith in God? We begin with the book of the prophet Amos this morning. And Amos is one of the prophets amongst many, probably not as well known as perhaps Jeremiah or even Isaiah. And yet, as a character and as his particular message, he tends to really go after the message of Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah is constantly lamenting and trying to get the people to understand their wrongdoing. And Amos here is doing the very same. Hear this, you who tread on the needy and destroy the poor. Right off the bat, we hear this very shrill note that all of a sudden you can feel the indictment coming. And he starts off very gently, that he starts to speak about those who are waiting for the new moon to sell their grain, or perhaps the end of the Sabbath to sell their wheat. Now this in itself may not necessarily seem wrong, that there's living by law, that they are trying to follow it at least in some small way, and yet you notice that their hearts are really already turned away from God. They want the new moon to be over. They want the Sabbath to be set aside. That they don't want to deal with the things of God because they're too busy dealing with the things of this earth. And so they're really looking for a way out. That they're trying to find a way to continue their normal pursuit of what they want and not what they need. And it gets worse, because as we go on this journey, it's not just enough for them to be legalistic in their approach to God, but all of a sudden they start outright breaking the commandments, that they're starting to look for ways that they can cheat others, the ways that they can steal, the ways that they can lie, the ways that they can be dishonest, and they're looking for a way to even sell the poor into affliction, or even sell the refuse of the wheat, something that normally would have never been done. And by the law of God, it wouldn't have. 
except they've allowed themselves to really become possessed by material goods. All of these great things that God has given them, all of a sudden they're not enough, and they find themselves depriving themselves of God's grace and of following God's law and God's commandments. And we'll get back to that in just a moment, but let's move on to St. Paul in his letter to Timothy. And he says, first of all, submit yourselves to prayer, to thanksgiving, to supplication, to petition, all these different things for everyone, and especially for those in authority. The St. Paul is often speaking about all sorts of different aspects of faith and all sorts of different aspects of living out a relationship to God, what that truly looks like. Oftentimes, he might just simply be correcting a particular practice, but here we see that he's giving the most fundamental of all, that he's trying to get them to pray, simply to pray in the different ways that they're being encouraged to do, to actually spend time getting to know God, their Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's trying to go back to the basics, those things that are most essential, but nonetheless, that importance of simply praying. And that's what St. Paul's trying to remind those that are reading this letter, that he's wanting them to be encouraged in that life of faith and not to forsake it as something for granted, but rather to look towards something that needs to be practiced and really needs to be done on a regular basis. And then finally, we move to the gospel according to Luke. And this parable is rather a strange one because we see this dishonest steward who's been known for squandering his master's property. We know the steward by nature wouldn't be about squandering, but they'd rather be entrusted with the master's things so that they could either keep them safe or even expand and grow upon them to invest them in ways that would make them grow and flourish. And what does this steward do? Well, this steward's reported because he's not living up to his vocation or his calling, but instead is finding himself squandering and spending his master's property. That he, in fact, is not serving his master directly, but in fact is serving those goods instead in himself. And so he starts to put those things to the side. And so the master pulls him aside and says, you can no longer be my steward. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And so the steward all of a sudden finds himself in a plight, that he knows that he needs to do something about his situation. And so what does he do? Well, he starts to pull in his master's debtors, and one, he cuts their debt in half. The other cuts it down by 20%, because he wants to win their favor so that whenever this position is taken away, that he can get a new one. And it's interesting, because the master commends that dishonest steward. And we know kind of the master's mindset that this steward has been dishonest already, and he's rather adding more dishonesty to what has happened. Why is this master commending the steward? Well, if we follow the general trajectory, we know that he sees what the, the plight of that steward is, that he knows that he's about on the down and out, and yet he's still trying to find a way to make things work. And we go along, and Jesus, after this parable has concluded, starts to remind us of the different things that we need to be paying attention to. Being trustworthy in small matters so as to be trustworthy in great ones. Or even the fact that we can only serve one master and not two. And that's why we need to pay attention. Not serving mammon, but instead serving God. Well, let's ask a question first. Could that steward have done things differently? Could that steward have lived his life out in a better way? 
Because the fact of the matter is that this steward finds himself in depravity by his own making. That he's not following what the master said to do, but instead is following his own whim and his own heart. And even in that moment when he finds himself hitting rock bottom, what does he do? He doesn't turn to the master. He instead turns in on himself and tries to figure it out himself. Imagine if we applied this to our relationship to God. Because I dare say, if we found ourselves doing that, we would say something's wrong. And that's indeed where we find this parable coming in. This is not a celebration of what the steward did, but it's a reminder for us to think about the ways he could have lived his life of faith out better. The ways that he could have lived out his vocation and his calling. The ways that he could have seen those things that he was entrusted with and indeed kept them safe or at least expanded on them in some small way. Because Jesus isn't telling us to be like this steward, but he's telling us to beware of the place of the steward, to put that to the side and instead look towards our reality in our life of faith. But what does that look like? Because Jesus gives us this encouragement at the very end to pay attention to the fact that we cannot serve two masters. We cannot have two different things that we're always paying attention to. We always have one thing above everything else that we're going to serve. Is it God, or is it something else? Because in this day and age, it can be so easy to put all of the things that we've been entrusted with before God our Father, that we can look after money, we can look after things, we can look after position, we can look all towards all of these things and start to put them even above God in our life and in our priorities. But is that the right way? Because all of a sudden, we're going to start squandering these things, and then when we come to the end of our life, as finite as it might be, we're probably going to find ourselves standing before God and wondering, did we spend our time on this earth effectively, or did we squander it like this dishonest steward? Because, my brothers and sisters, as many different things as we have in this life, we should always be paying attention to God first. And even the good things in this life, or at least the things that are neutral, those possessions that we have, the relationships, or even prestige that we have, we should order all of those things towards God, our Father. That it's not about having these different things or having the position or even the reputation amongst others just for our own sake. Because we start squandering those things almost instantly but rather it's about us looking to be good stewards of what God has given us. He's given us so many blessings, so many different gifts, but they're all ordered to the sake of getting us and our brothers and sisters to the kingdom of God. And that's really the question we can consider this morning. Am I ordered towards God, or am I ordered towards other things, all of the things that he's entrusted me to, with and that he's given to me? Because if we dare say that we look at that picture, we know that we want to be ordered towards God. But sometimes it requires us putting other things in their place. And then if we look at St. Paul, and this is a good point for us to consider, that if God is in the first place in our life, then prayer, then thanksgiving, then supplication and petition, all of those things that are part and parcel of our spiritual life, they're going to be there, and they're going to be there in abundance, because we recognize that everything God has entrusted or given to us is trying to get us closer to Him, that it's trying to get us in relationship with Him and not separate us apart. And that's really the encouragement that we're given, because Jesus doesn't want to see us encumbered and weighed down by all of these different things, that He doesn't want us to be clinging to the stuff and all of the material possessions that we can have in this life, 
but rather he wants them to be ours for the sake of serving him and for the sake of getting into relationship. But that does ask us the question, and it does and challenge us, that if things are getting in the way of our relationship with God, that we truly need to make them subordinate. We need to put them in that position so that we can continue to seek after God our Father. And then even if we look at our life of prayer, that's a simple way that we can look and see, am I pursuing God or am I pursuing something else? If my prayer life is central to what I do every day, then it's going to help get me closer to God and away from these other things. And it might be a moment to consider, what's a concrete way that we can enter in more deeply to prayer so as to remove ourselves away from these other things? Are there times of prayer that I haven't been using lately that I used to? Or maybe it's time to consider a new practice of prayer. Maybe there's an hour in the morning or in the evening or some particular time, even just a few minutes, that I can set apart to be with our Lord and with our God. Because the fact of the matter is, St. Paul knows very well one of our most valuable assets. It's time. But we only have a limited amount, and we should be using all for the glory of God and getting closer to his kingdom. Because much like when we practice, whether it's music or it's sports or something else, that we have only a limited amount of time, but we know that we want to utilize it well. And that, in fact, is the encouragement, my brothers and sisters, for this morning. Not to squander what has been given to us, not to be like this dishonest steward, or even to cling on to dishonest wealth or any wealth of any kind but to rather seek after God our Father, to truly let those things bring us closer to him, to surrender them to the side so that we can truly enjoy a relationship, one that's unencumbered and one that grows more deeply day by day. That's the challenge, brothers and sisters, that as we see all the things that we're entrusted with and we're given this side of heaven, that we use all of those things for the glory of God and the sanctification of us and of our brothers and sisters as well. So let's not let material possessions get in the way. Let's not be like this dishonest steward or even those people in the book of the prophet Amos. But let's rather look for the ways that we can serve God, serve him unencumbered, but serve him faithfully to the very end. 